This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Being in the ministry, one of the opportunities that come my way quite a bit is to attend fundraising banquets. Banquets that are trying to identify as causes or, or things that they want church or individuals to donate to. And, and you've been to things like this before. You have the white tablecloths and everyone dresses up and you're seated strategically and you get a piece of tough chicken and frozen vegetables and someone decides to put glitter on the table and it gets in your butter dish. And amidst all of that, there's donation cards at the end. The idea is this. We're going to spend a lot of money to create this fantastic atmosphere because we have a fantastic cause and at the end of this dining experience you're going to have a chance to donate well this particular one that that i attended there was one particular banquet i attended that was going really really well Uh, in fact uh, it was in that context the who's who everyone who needed to be there who was supposed to be there was present Uh, The music was actually inspiring. It wasn't just someone's niece or nephew just throwing a song up there. It was a fantastic music presentation. The food was not just edible. It was outstanding, delicious food. Uh, It was an awesome atmosphere. And I remember thinking, you know, whoever put this particular fundraising banquet together has done a great job. There was only one problem. They forgot something very important. They forgot the message. They forgot the whole reason the banquet was supposed to take place. Everyone was enjoying the camaraderie, the experience. All of it was going well. Uh, But when the apex of the event came, someone kind of meandered up to the stage and half-heartedly said something about donations and about cards on your table. They gave no compelling reason to donate at all. And, And I remember leaving thinking, all that work. All that effort, all the money, all the, the sense of, of, of focus people were supposed to have. And even though it was an enjoyable experience, the promoters forgot the reason for the experience. It was to bring people to a place of decision. And that example is not unlike a lot of things in life. I mean, you can just get, make your analogy or your cause or whatever the case is that whenever we forget the purpose of an event or the purpose of a song or the purpose of whatever it is. And we begin to focus on all the peripheral things and we forget the heart of the issue. Then everything we do is meaningless. Purpose provides meaning. Purpose keeps us focused. And that's why today, as we Continue to look at the Holy Spirit who is among us. I believe today, today's teaching and the scriptures we're going to read together will be a theological anchor for you. It'll be a biblical anchor for you in your experiences. Because you'll see if you're, if you're on version and you can find us under live events, it's an app on your phone. Or on the back of your bulletin, there's some notes. That today I want to talk to you about exalting Jesus. The Holy Spirit who exalts Jesus. This is something that, though it it seems simplistic in, in the first presentation, if you don't stay centered on this point, 
and you don't understand this function or this purpose of the Holy Spirit, then it could really make you vulnerable to hurtful experiences or it can make you vulnerable to bad theology. And so we're going to look at this together. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's there's a lot of different categories in here uh, of people. Uh, some of you are, are excited about this because uh, you haven't heard a lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit. And maybe maybe you are a new Christian or maybe you are part of a spiritual heritage that avoided talking about the Holy Spirit. And so there is a sense of excitement and expectation because you're ready to learn. Others of you uh, have a lot of experience in the Holy Spirit, a lot of knowledge. Uh, this is could be a, a knowledge uh, based off information and also knowledge based off firsthand experience. And so now that we're going to spend a couple of weeks here on the Holy Spirit, it's kind of exciting because it's going to reopen some of those passions and maybe you've been waiting for this to happen. And so that's a good thing, too. For both categories, for those who are veterans, for lack of a better term, in, in the activity of the Holy Spirit, and for those who are new, we both would be good to remember this warning. Is that when we begin to have a fascination with the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or the experience of the Holy Spirit, and our relationship with the Holy Spirit becomes about that, only what kind of manifestation, what kind of gift, what kind of experience could we have? That can be a very dangerous thing, because if the activity attributed to the Holy Spirit does not produce more passion and love for Jesus, then it may not be the Holy Spirit. I want you to let that sink in for a second. That's a bold but accurate statement. If the activity attributed to the Holy Spirit does not produce more focus and love upon Jesus, then it might not be the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is here to point us to Jesus. And in order for us to unfold that and unpack that a little bit, I'm going to give you three words today that will help organize our thoughts. The first one is the word separate. Separate. And Meaning this, the Holy Spirit is distinctly separate from Jesus. The Holy Spirit is distinctly separate from Jesus. Now, when I make this point, we have to back up a couple of steps. Because it's very important that we talk about the all-important concept, biblical concept, doctrine. What makes us really Christians is our belief in something known as the Trinity. And I, I preached a whole teaching on this last August on a Wednesday night. But I want to just review some of that for, for a second because it's so important that you understand this. Because every Christian church believes in the Trinity. Honestly, if, if, if a church doesn't believe in what we call the Trinity, it's really not an orthodox, traditional Christian church. It might be great people and all of this, but, but every church believes in the Trinity of God. And that is a very complex subject. In fact, what makes the Trinity somewhat complex is that if you go to your Bible concordance, you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible. And yet, yet our doctrine and our view of Christ is totally dependent upon that. 
For the first 300 years of Christianity, people were trying to make Jesus something that he wasn't. And they're trying to say he's way too human or way too divine. And our church fathers, as they, they took the scripture and canonized the scripture and they reasoned together, they came up with a conclusion that this mysterious doctrine that by faith God makes it known to us and the scripture makes it very clear that Jesus, God, is fully God. The Holy Spirit is fully God. The Father is fully God. They are one yet distinctly separate. And this definition I want us to read together will help us. It's not scripture, but it's a very, very beneficial definition. It says this, God eternally exists as three persons, father, son, and Holy spirit. And each person is fully God. And there is one God. This is an excellent theological statement. Again, it's not scripture, but it encompasses a lot of scripture. God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and each person is fully God, and there is one God. Now, why is this important? This is important for, for many reasons, but I will we'll point this out because it will make it crystal clear. That the religion of Islam, the biggest difference, and there's many, many differences between Islam and Christianity, but the primary difference is Islam, or those who follow Muhammad, his teachings, and follow Allah, don't believe in a trinity. In fact, they vigorously oppose that. In fact, they think all of us are infidels because we worship more than one God. They don't understand. By faith, they don't understand that we do worship one God, but he's in three persons. And so this is not polytheism. We worship one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you need to understand this, that because Islam and it's growing so rapidly, that is a major point of differentiation. So to say, well, we worship the same God, nonsense, that this concept of the Trinity that has been passed down to us from our church fathers, that is clearly in the word, that verifies us as part of the tradition of Christianity that goes back to Jesus Christ himself. It's based off this concept. And so any time a religion tries to attack Christianity, it attacks the Trinity. That's where it's that's where it happens. Now, here in America, this has happened, especially through new thought teaching, which dates all the way back to the late 1800s. And guys like Ralph Waldo Emerson, who. Incidentally, lots of preachers like to quote Emerson. They always think that's funny, you know, like because he has lots of great quotes. Let's quote Emerson. But he was very anti-gospel. He has some nice quotes and stuff, but really anti the message of Jesus. And he attacked and new thought attacks the Trinity and it de-emphasizes the deity of Christ. And it makes Christ less than what he should be. It makes the Holy Spirit is not even a person. He's just a force out there. And eventually that that whole thought process digressed to pantheism where God is in nature and nature is one and God is within us. And it's an American repackaging of Eastern religious thoughts. Now, I say all of that because as we begin to talk about the relationship between the Holy Spirit and Jesus, I want to be clear, clear about the Trinity. The Holy Spirit's fully God. Jesus is fully God. The Father is fully God. And the three are one. With that being said, now we need to understand that they are separate entities. In other words, it's not just 
the Holy Spirit is not just another uh, personification of Jesus. They are separate entities and they are different. So now let's go to Luke chapter three. I know it took us a few minutes to get to our passage today, but don't worry. I got lots of scripture coming your way now. So uh, we're going to be scripture based people. Luke chapter three shows a beautiful story of how the Trinity works together. And you're going to see here that the, that the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are distinctly separate. Jesus went to get baptized, and the Scripture says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him, being Jesus in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. So let's think about the picture here. Jesus comes out of the baptismal waters. The Holy Spirit comes upon him in bodily form like a dove. And then God the Father speaks and says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working in concert with with each other in unity because they are one, yet they are separate entities. This is so important because as we unfold what the Holy Spirit wants to do among us, we have to understand what his job is. And so now we see the same principle in John chapter 16 when Jesus is praying. And excuse me, John chapter 14. And he says it this way. And I will ask the father. So Jesus is praying this. Jesus says, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. That's the Holy Spirit to be with you forever. So Jesus prayed to the father and said, Father, Send them the Holy Spirit, the separate entity doing separate things, but yet totally in one with God. Well, this is very important because we have to understand something that the Holy Spirit, his job is to promote Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to make sure Jesus is well known. The Holy Spirit's job is to make sure that we are Jesus centered, Jesus saturated, Jesus focused people. That is the mission of the Holy Spirit. That is why he was given. He was given because Jesus himself prayed to the father and said, father, as I go to you, I want you to send your spirit to dwell with them forever, to be in them. And that's why when we believe in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit Within us, he's here, he's with us, he's among us, but he's on a mission. See, whoever determines a mission determines the outcome of it. Now, whenever I use analogies, there's always breakdowns in analogies, especially when you start talking about divine things. But let's think about Christopher Columbus, who was sent by the Spanish kingdom, Ferdinand and Isabella sent him on a very distinct mission that was to find a a quicker way to get to what is now India and now Japan. That was a very clear mission. Because of that, the three times that Columbus explored and found a new world, there were certain things that drove his thought process. There were certain decisions that he made because of what the mission was. Without me boring you with a history lesson, I'll just move on. But you understand the analogy here because the the Spanish kingdom sent him and they said, this is your directive. It drove decisions that he made. Here's the second word I want you to write down. It's the word sent. Because you need to understand this. The Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus. That's incredible thought. The Holy Spirit is a distinct person. He's not just the concept of Jesus, the attitude of Jesus, Jesus teaching passed down. He is a distinct person 
sent by Jesus. Jesus is the one who said, the Holy Spirit is coming to you. He prayed to the Father to send him. Now, a remarkable thing, or, well, or, or at least just a fact you need to know. You might want to write this down. It's not in your notes. It's not in you version. But in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are 25 different names for, for the Holy Spirit. 25 different names for the Holy Spirit. The reason this is important is some people would like to confuse or to muddy the waters by um, taking these different names for the Holy Spirit and attaching some type of different meaning to them. They like to confuse, they like to twist, and some of it's even well-meaning. But the truth is there's 25 different names for the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and New Testament. I want to show you a sampling of some of these that will help you understand when you read your Bible, there's no need for confusion. There's no need to wonder, okay, what really is happening here? No, this is, this is just a separate name for the same person who is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you three, at least three samples of this, or two samples. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. This, this is really clear. This is probably the best example. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, what is the Spirit of God? It's the Holy Spirit. And not, not to... I don't want to be sarcastic and make fun, but it's not one of these things where we're like, the Spirit of God, does that mean it's the Spirit of the Father and it's this and that? And, and that means he's trying to father you right now. Okay, that might be helpful, but, but truly it is the Holy Spirit. In other words, we don't, when, when this is translated down through English, we, we don't need to overthink it. Does that make sense? We don't need to overthink what's happening here. So you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, and anyone who does not have... The spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Again, that's just an example of one of the 25 different ways that the Holy Spirit's name is given. Here's another good example of that in Acts chapter 16, verse 7. And when they had come up to Messiah, Messiah, they attempted to go in Bithynia. But the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So there's no need to hear and say, now, why was it the spirit of Jesus and not the Holy Spirit? Was there something about that? Jesus went down this road and no, it's nothing like that. That is the Holy Spirit. And so simply, simply, it's another name for him. The Holy Spirit, the activity. Why? Because the Trinity works. God as one functioning three different ways. God as one working together. Now, the, the, the other example that I gave you is actually... Philippians 1, 19, the screen, we have, oh, you're so good, Todd, way to go, man. Uh, I had put 1, 9, so again, I think this happened last week on your bulletin, change it to 19 there, 1, 19. For I know through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Just another sampling of different names for the same Holy Spirit, but it's the same Holy Spirit working and functioning. And here's the truth, Jesus was sent by the Holy Spirit. The Father sent Jesus to the world to show us the way. This, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to point us back to Jesus. When we go back to Jesus, where do we go? Back to the Father. They're working together. That's always there. The, they, they're working with one another. The Spirit points us to Jesus. Jesus is the way to the Father. And so it is how great our God is. Our God of unity. Our God who moves together. 
And so as we reinforce this point that it was Jesus who sent the Holy Spirit, let's now look at John chapter 20. And, and this is one of the most underused scriptures when it comes to teaching on the Holy Spirit or under valued, underappreciated, underexposed, however you say it. But we see clearly that Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. He's talking to his disciples after he was resurrected. As the father has sent me and let me just make that correction. I'm not sure if this was before or after he was resurrected. So that'll give you something to do this afternoon. And sometimes when you're preaching, you say things and you're not sure if it's right or not. And that's one of those times. So I'll just self-correct. Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so, I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed upon them, receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful that Jesus is the baptizer? We'll see as the next couple of weeks unfold that Jesus said several times, I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And here, uh, however you want to look at this, I believe they received the Holy Spirit then. That's what the Bible says. But if you want to look at this as a prophetic thing, just as he breathed on him. And then in Acts chapter two, the wind came and the wind came again. However you want to see that the point is this is Jesus. Jesus baptized them. Jesus baptized them with the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who sent the Holy Spirit. Now, why am I reemphasizing this point? Because there's an incorrect and immature view among some Christians that that goes something like this. Well, I can't wait till our church gets more spiritual and we get past just the salvation stuff. We get past all the Jesus stuff and we get into the Holy Spirit. I think that that is an incorrect way to look at it because the more we get the Holy Spirit, the more we're going to focus on Jesus. The more we receive his gifts and his empowerment and his manifestations, the more we're going to be Jesus focused and Jesus centered people. So those who are simply chasing the other outward things, and that's the only thing they're focused on and are not focused on that deep love for Jesus, that deep appreciation for the cross. That's one of the reasons we offer you communion every week. We take it corporately now on the second Sunday of the month. That's the rhythm we're on right now where we pass out the elements. But every Sunday we make it available to you because I want you to remember and I want to remember that this church isn't based off preaching and it's not based off music and it's not based off uh, manifestations or expressions. It's based off the personality of our living Jesus Christ, who the Holy Spirit has been sent to exalt. And every time the Holy Spirit moves among us, it focuses on Jesus. It gets us more focused clearly on who he is and his our love for him and his role in our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit was sent to do. You know, if you've been following this situation in Syria, just kind of kind of changing a little bit of focus here. This, this situation in Syria has, is really, really tragic, and it shows us the darkness of mankind. The heart is deceitful. The heart is sinful. Humanity without Christ and his redemption is not good. Yes, we're made in the image of God, but left to our own ways. Uh, humanity will invent ways to sin and destroy life and to propagate violence that is unimaginable. We've developed weapons of mass destruction 
and genocide. Now this is happening in Syria. It's a horrible, horrible thing that's happening. And I pray, I hope that you're praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ there and just for the whole humanitarian crisis. As I follow the story, there's an ambassador. Our ambassador is a man named Richard Ford. And I don't know, excuse me, Robert Ford. I don't know a lot about him. I don't know what political persuasion he is. I tried to look up some of his history. All I know about him is that he has been uh, so impressive in the courage that he's displayed and the way he's represented the United States. Started out in September when he was pelted uh, by tomatoes and eggs when he went to a mass grave. And that has digressed to the point where uh, we pulled our embassy out of Syria because of the violence there. And so like all of our ambassadors, when they're functioning properly, they represent our nation in everything they do, not just in official statements, but in the way they carry themselves, in their conduct, in the way they speak, in everything they do, they have this function to Make the United States of America to represent the United States of America to whatever country they're in. And that is their function. Now, I think of that because, again, with every analogy, there's lots lots of ways to break it down. And so I'm thinking of a dozen ways on this one. But in an incomplete way, this lets us know what the Holy Spirit's job assigned by the Father, assigned asked of by the son is to exalt Jesus. Here's the third word that I want you to observe is a word exalt. The Holy Spirit focuses attention on Jesus. You knew this was coming when you read the title to the message, but I'll reinforce the same point again and again, because this will be an anchor to you. This will be an establishing point for you. This is a place of safety. The Holy Spirit exalts Jesus and makes us love him more. Now, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to us. We're not even able to receive salvation until the Holy Spirit draws us to that place. Now, we always say, well, I decided to follow Jesus. We might have decided to follow Jesus, but we had no ability to make that decision. But we're not for the Holy Spirit who was operating and drawing us to him. So now we see what Jesus says in John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verse 26. He says, but when the helper comes, that is the Holy spirit whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. What a great statement. He will bear witness about me. You know what we, we see this happening right now, these terrible storms that have happened in the last two weeks. And, and we, we hear witnesses who get on there and they say, this is what happened and this is how things responded. This is what I saw. And this is the ramifications of the, of the storm. A witness just simply tells what the information is. And the Holy Spirit, who is never does not even have the ability to deceive because he is God and he is completely perfect and in holiness and is eternal and he is one. He tells us this is Jesus. I'm witnessing of Jesus. I'm sending my presence here because I want you to know that the power of Jesus is here. I'm sending my presence here because I want the name of Jesus to be exalted. 
I'm sending my presence here because I want you to know that the healing power of Jesus, that what he paid upon the cross for your healing is here. The Holy Spirit is here exalting and pointing us to Jesus and saying, this is about Jesus. This is about his work. This is about his manifestation. And so we go now to John chapter 16 and Jesus again reinforces this point. And he says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Now look at this statement in verse 14. He being the Holy Spirit, this is Jesus talking, will glorify me for he will take what is in what is mine and declare it to you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is to come and to glorify Jesus, to make Jesus known, to make Jesus famous, to make us Jesus centered people. To make us love Jesus more, to talk about Jesus more, to have deeper affection for Jesus. The Holy Spirit's work is about passion for the Son of God and passion for who He is. And anything that takes our focus off of Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. It could be a familiar spirit. It could be something different. But can I tell you that when you sense the Spirit of God, it's for the purpose of Jesus. I've been in mosques. And I've been there and I've heard the prayers of dedicated people tell you that the same spirit that's in this room is not in the mosque. It's not in the Eastern religions. It's not in the meditation that comes through Buddhism. The same spirit is not in any other religion because the Holy Spirit is very clear and very distinctive because he's not exalting any other religion, either any other person. He's, he's exalting Jesus Christ himself and Jesus Christ, his work. I had a friend of mine, a pastor friend, tell me this story recently. A lady came to him really disturbed and upset. She said, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough in this church. Which, which can be a legitimate statement. I'm not saying the statement itself is not legitimate. Because as pastors, we've had that discussion. But the way she was saying it was very accusatory and had an agenda on it. As he told me this story, he, he immediately had lots of different responses. Because there was some objective data of times they've had Holy Spirit invitations and prayers and things of this nature. But he asked her this question. He said, well, ma'am, can I ask you this? Do, do we talk about Jesus much? Said, oh, yeah, we talk about Jesus a lot. Do we sing about Jesus a lot? She said, oh, yeah, we sing about Jesus all the time. Then he said, well, what is the work of the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit supposed to exalt? Argument over. He's supposed to exalt Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. 